What do you wonder? Um, I wonder a lot of stuff. It's a really loaded question, actually. Uh, I wonder why, uh, why everybody's so angry about everything. Wonder why some people get healed from sickness and others don't. I wonder how many kids I'm gonna have and when I'm gonna get married. I wonder what life will be like for my family in five years. Well, basically, I'm wondering if I'll just make the right choices. I wonder if my kids are going to have a good life. Just want them to be happy. And I wonder if, if there's really somebody out there um, guiding us. I would also say that I'm a religious person, so I wonder about God and why um, things happen. I wonder if I'm going to have a very fulfilled life and do what I'm supposed to do. So if you're just joining us today, you're coming in on the end of a conversation we've been having for the last six weeks around this question right here. What do you wonder? What do you wonder? We will all wonder a lot of things. We wonder about little things, big things, important things, not so important things. But one of the things that we all have in common, it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus or not, or you know what you believe or don't believe, we've got a lot more in common than we have different. And one of the things we all have in common is that we all wonder about purpose, we all wonder about meaning, we all wonder about significance, we all wonder about whether we're living a great life and if we're making a difference with our lives, if we're making a difference in this world, you know, if we're going to die and disappear, if you know, our impact and our legacy is going to outlive us, we all wonder about that stuff. But what's natural, and this is just where we all start, what's natural is to assume the way to live a life of purpose and meaning and significance is to make life about us and to focus on us. And so the way we've described it throughout the series is this. Most of us go through life living it with a mirror in front of our face, and we pay attention to what's going on around us. We're not oblivious to the people who are hurting here or the needs over here or, you know, that thing that that, you know, that friend's having to go through. Like, we see all of that, and we even help out with that from time to time. But the primary focus of your life and my life is the person in the mirror, and that's who always distracts us. You know, we come right back to us, right back to us, right back to us. And everything is about what's in it for me. Even oftentimes, if we could be honest, when we help somebody else, when we serve in some way, when we do something generous for somebody, oftentimes the, things, the, the thing that is motivating or driving our action, our serving, our generosity, it's what's in it for me. It's what's in it for me. It's what's in it for me. It's, it's the benefit that we get from doing it. And Jesus said, you should want to live a great life. You should pursue greatness. That's not a bad thing. You were wired to be great. That you should pursue purpose. You were created for a purpose. But you and I, he said, start in the wrong place. That if we're going to understand and experience a purpose in a life far greater than our own, that at some point we have to learn to lay down the mirror and to look out the window. We have to learn to embrace this idea that, wait a minute, it's not about you. It's actually about the you beside you. And once it's not about you, that's only when you start to see what to do. Once it's not about you, that's when it begins to become clear, oh, there's purpose all around you. There's this bigger picture of what God's doing in the world, and he's inviting me to be a part. But it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about the you beside you. And the way that you learn to put down the mirror and look out the window is you continually ask yourself a very simple question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? Not what's in it for me, okay, that's really obvious. I always know the answer to that. But what does love require of me? That's what forces you to put down a mirror and to look out a window and start to pay attention to what's going on all around you. And so we've talked about what it looks like to look out a window and how to figure out what 
your unique specific purposes in your life. We talked about the fact that you were created to make a custom design contribution in this world and how you understand what that is and how your story fits into a much, much larger story that God's been telling throughout history and you know how to make sense of all that and live your life that you live, but live it through the framework or the lens of a purpose bigger than you. We've, we've covered all of that. If you haven't tracked with us through all the series or it's your first time today, you can go back and catch up on those if you find that interesting. Uh, our sermons are on the app. You can search Journey Calway in your app store and get the app or go to our website. Or Now we're on Roku, we're on YouTube, we're on Apple TV. We're everywhere but Netflix. I promise we're not coming to Netflix, okay? So you're not going to have to deal with me there. But they're, they're easy to find, okay? You can just search Journey Calway on any of those platforms and you can find us. And you can catch up on the series. Today what I want to do as we wrap up is I just want to pivot the conversation a little bit. And I want to ask you one more very, very important question, which is this. What prevents you from living God's purpose for you? We can't wrap up this series, I don't feel like, without talking about this. What is it that prevents you from living God's purpose for you? In other words, you track through this, you hear, and you think, yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, oh, I'm going to do something about that, and then you never do it. Like, What is it that is actually preventing you from living out the purpose for which God created you? I want you to think about what, that, what you believe that is for you. Now, let me tell you why this question matters while you're thinking about that. You remember in school, and some of you are in school now, so you're still having to experience this. You remember timed tests in school, not like the kind of tests where when the period was over, you had to turn it in, but literally, like you got 30 minutes to do this test, or you got however long to do this test. And as you're taking those timed tests, there always feels like a, a bit of pressure, like, oh, I got to pay attention to what I'm doing and be intentional here because I don't have long. And then, you know, five minutes out, the teacher's like, you have five minutes, and then you start picking up the pace even more if you're behind. And then at a minute to go, she says, or he says, you know, one minute, and then you just bubble and see on everything, right? Because that's, you know, all the blanks, just make them see. And then at the end of the minute, it seems like every teacher, I don't know if they learn this in education. If you're in education, maybe you can tell me if they just teach you this. It seems like every teacher has the same line. At the end, they will say, pencils down, time's up, every single one of them. Pencils down, time's up. Didn't matter what class I was in. Pencils down, time's up, you know, and, Everybody tries to scribble last things. They're like, nope, pencil's down, time's up. Well, here's why this question is so important. Because your life is like a timed test, okay? Your life has a deadline. There is going to come a point in your life where God says, pencil's down, time is up. And you're going to be done getting another chance to live your purpose. You're going to be done with another opportunity to make an impact in this world. You're going to be done with another moment where you could put down a mirror, you could look out a window, and you could do something that lives beyond you. The only difference is, you and I don't know when that's going to be. We don't know when the deadline is. We have no idea when God's going to say, pencil's down, time's up, and your opportunity is gone. My opportunity is gone. So it matters what you do with the time that God has given you. You should pay attention to it, and you should be very, very intentional with it. And you should figure out, if you're not living your purpose, what's preventing you from living God's purpose for you? Jesus talked about this with a group of people one day. There were a, um, a pretty large crowd of people who were following him. But he knew the reason they were following him was not out of pure motives. They were following him largely because of what was in it for them. It's because of what they could get, not what they could give. Jesus had healed a lot of people. He had fed people. He'd done a lot of things for this crowd. And so they just kept following him around thinking, well, what's the next thing I can get? What's the next thing I can get? Like following him seems to benefit me. So I'm going to follow him. So he sits them all down and he tells them a made-up story to make a very, very powerful point about the fact that if all you do is hear what I say and you don't actually apply it or do it, then you're missing it entirely. And so he begins to talk 
to them about this idea of you have a limited amount of time. You should make the most of it. You should pay attention to the obstacles that are getting in your way, keeping you from doing what God created you to do. And he identifies three of those obstacles, or what I call uh, pitfalls, three different purpose pitfalls, if you will, that can prevent us from living out God's purpose for us. So here's what I want to do today. I'll just be up front with you. I want to read you the story. Then we're going to look at what it means and talk about these three pitfalls. And then at the end, I want to encourage and invite you all to take a step, to take a step. Now, I don't know what that step needs to be. We'll talk about it at the end. But you need to take a step. Because if you go through this series and you track with this and you have good intentions and you nod your head and you go, yeah, I should probably do something about that. If you hear it all, if you agree with most of it, but you still don't take a step, then it does you no good whatsoever. So I want to invite you at the end to take a step that's an appropriate step for you wherever you are in this journey that will help you to put down a mirror and to start looking out the window on a more consistent basis. So let's start with Jesus' story. It's found in Matthew 13. Matthew was there. He's one of Jesus' disciples, and he recorded this story for us. He says, Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, first century was an agricultural uh, society, so they, they understood this and got this. This isn't modern-day farming. This was a farmer walking through the field with a bunch of seed in his hand and just tossing it, okay? So it wasn't very precise or accurate. Seed would end up everywhere whenever farmers planted seed. And they understood that, the crowd listening to Jesus. So they're picturing this in your, their mind. And Jesus begins to explain some scenarios that were common for farmers whenever they sowed seed. Here's what he said. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came, and they ate it up. Now, the path would have been walked by people and by animals so much that it was rock-hard dirt. Okay? There was no seed that was ever going to penetrate that dirt. It'd be like tossing seed on a concrete sidewalk today. It's just easy pickings for the birds. Jesus said, that's where some of the seed ended. And everybody in the crowd's going, yep, we've all seen it happen. He gives a second scenario. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. So in other words, Jesus said, there's some other that landed in an area with some really shallow dirt. And so because of that, the plant shot up pretty quick. Everything looked good up top. The problem was there was no depth. There, were, there, were no, there was no root down below. And so as soon as it ran into heat, as soon as it ran into challenges, as soon as that plant had to endure some difficulties, it just withered. He goes on and gives a third scenario. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So it landed in some decent soil, and it began to get some roots, but there were so many thorns around that it just choked out the sunlight. It choked out that plant getting the nutrients it needed, and so it died. And then he gives this final scenario. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. This is interesting. 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, Jesus finishes this story, and everybody listening, I mean, this is common sense to them. This is the world they live in, so they're thinking, okay, I'm not sure what the point is, but there's got to be a bigger point because he's not giving agricultural advice here. And yes, we all understand and agree it's the same farmer and the same seed. The difference is in the soil. Like, we know this. The difference in terms of the return on the seed is the kind of soil that's planted in. Jesus says, yep, you're right. I am making a point, which is why he ends the story with this little phrase. He says this, whoever has ears, let them hear, which was his way of saying, okay, you heard the story, but if you're wise, you'll hit pause and evaluate. If you're wise, you'll stop and you'll reflect on what this story means and what kind of soil you are. If you're, if you're wise, you'll stop and think about, okay, well, what am I doing 
And how am I responding to what I'm hearing Jesus teaching? Am I just hearing this, or am I actually doing something with it? Now, here's what was interesting. Apparently, once Jesus says this, he just walks away. Just leaves the crowd to figure it out on their own. The disciples, Peter, Andrew, Matthew, Thomas, all those guys, they have no clue what the story meant. So they go catch Jesus, and they pull him aside, and they say, Hey, we, could you just please explain that to us? Like, we know there was a point. We don't know what the point was. So fortunately for them and for us, Jesus goes back, and he explains what he means by this story. And in this explanation, he warns us about three different obstacles or three different pitfalls, if you will, that can prevent us from living out our purpose. So let's dive back in. Here's Jesus' explanation. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. He's talking just to his 12 disciples. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. Now, they knew what he meant when he said kingdom. We talked about this through the series. He's not referring to the kind of kingdom that's normal in this world where the person with the most power, everybody serves them and, you know, revolves around them. And then the next most powerful gets, the, you know, next and on and on and on. And No, no. He's referring to an other-centered kingdom. It's the kind of kingdom he came to introduce to this world. An other-centered kingdom, a kingdom where you put down a mirror and you look out a window. Okay? He says, when anyone hears the message about that kind of kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown along the path. In other words, Jesus says, there are some people who they hear me talk about this opportunity to live life looking out a window. They hear me talking about this opportunity to live life focused on the you beside you, to live life for the benefit of other people. They hear me talking about the fact that they are created by God for God, to be a part of his family forever, to be forgiven forever, to have a purpose forever. And they completely ignore it. It goes nowhere. It doesn't take root at all. There are some people, and maybe this is some of you, who hear it, Jesus says, and it's like their heart is hard. It's like it just landed on a concrete sidewalk. And it does no good whatsoever. Now, maybe this is you. Maybe you've been tracking through this series and you have thought to yourself as you've heard it, I just don't believe it's true. I'm not sure I can buy into this. I'm not even going to explore that. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm just, I'm just not interested in it. And my question to you would be, why? Why would you make that choice? I'm not criticizing the choice. I just wonder if you know why you would make the choice to ignore or disregard the possibility. We won't even you know, argue whether it's true or not, but the possibility that God created you to have a relationship with you. And he created you for a purpose bigger than yourself. Why would you not at least explore that? There are probably a lot of reasons. But I want to suggest one that maybe you haven't thought about. And it's fear. You see, fear has a way of hardening our hearts. Fear has a way of putting up walls and locking us into our own prison. And for some of you, you are not pursuing your purpose because you're afraid. If you were really honest, you would have to admit you're afraid. You're afraid you've blown it. You're afraid because of that thing in your past that decision in your past, that season of life in your past, that weekend, that stage, that whole period of time. You're afraid because of some of the choices you have in your past or some of the stuff happening right now in your present that you've blown it. God may have a purpose for other people, but he doesn't have it for you. And if you tried to explore it, you'd just discover you weren't good enough anymore. So you're not going to set yourself up to be disappointed. You're afraid. That's why you dismiss it. For others of you, and this is related, you just don't feel like you're worth it. You're afraid you're not worth and not valuable enough for God to give you a purpose. And it's because of the voices, probably, of people from your past. The voice of a parent, 
the voice of a pastor from some church you used to go to? Who said or sent the message directly or indirectly? Nope, because you struggled with that at one point. God didn't have a purpose for you anymore. You disqualified yourself the minute you fell into addiction. You disqualified yourself the minute that marriage ended. You disqualified yourself the minute you made the decision to move in. You disqualified yourself the minute you walked away from church. And so you've got these voices running around in your head. Or maybe it's your own voice because you're so hard on yourself. Going, no, you're not worth it. You're not worth it. You're just a mess. You made so many bad choices. You're just a mess. God would never use you. And instead of wrestling with that fear, which is a very legitimate fear, instead of wrestling with that fear, you've just locked it up and hardened your heart, and you try to ignore the concept or the idea altogether that there might be a purpose God has for you. For others of you, it's a fear that you can't really trust God with it. You can't trust God with your life. It's a fear that it might not be true. What if I pursue this and then it's not true and God doesn't even exist? Or God doesn't really care about me. Or it's not possible for me to have a relationship with him. Or what if I pursue this and what God has for me is actually not what's best for me. All along I thought I knew what was best and sure enough I did. And God got it wrong and I got it right and I've wasted my life doing something that's not in my own best interest. There's a lot of fear that tends to harden our hearts. So if that's you, and I don't know where you land with this, but if that's you, if that's what you've been feeling inside of you through this series, what do you do with that? Well, I want to suggest that you consider one thing, that you choose to believe. That you choose to believe that your past doesn't negate God's purpose for you, that your past isn't bigger, um, or your problems, excuse me, aren't bigger than your purpose, that your failures aren't bigger than your purpose, that God really does want a relationship with you, that he really does have a purpose for you bigger than yourself, that there's more to life than just what you think life should be about, which is all revolving around you. You just need to believe. To which you go, Matt, that's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to have blind faith and blind belief. I got all these doubts and questions. I just can't believe. Okay, I'm, I'm not inviting you to have blind faith. I'm not inviting you to ignore your questions and your doubts. You do realize that belief and doubt can coexist. They can. It happens all the time. You believe something in spite of doubts or along with doubts all the time. You hold on to these, and they are not mutually exclusive. You carry them both with you through life. You should believe something and explore the doubts. You should hold on to doubts and then say, okay, I'm going to believe enough to continue to try to figure out if these doubts are valid or if they're not valid. So all I'm inviting you to do is explore, to choose to believe, to carry those doubts with you as you figure out what it would look like to live out your purpose in spite of your past, in spite of all the fears, in spite of the voices, in spite of the concerns, in spite of the I'm not sure what I believe. What would it look like to live out God's purpose for your life if it really was true? You should believe enough to at least explore whether it's true. Because otherwise, fear will paralyze you. It's a pitfall to you living out your purpose. Here's the second one Jesus talked about. He goes on, he says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. There's so much emotion. They are so excited about, you know, God's got a purpose and, oh man, they're just all in. They're volunteering for everything and, you know, they're telling everybody they're so excited. But, Jesus says, since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Okay, this is the person who gets so excited and they're like all in until it costs them something, or until it gets hard, or until they run into some obstacles and some challenges. 
and then they just give up entirely. For some of you, this is where you are. This is you. This has been your story. This has been your history. And it's because you have fallen into a pitfall. And I'm about to explain to you what this pitfall is. And it may sound a little offensive, but I don't mean it to be offensive. So just hang with me, okay? I'll, I'll unpack that. But here's the pitfall you've fallen into. Immaturity. Immaturity. Now, immaturity is not in and of itself a bad thing. Immaturity is a natural thing, okay? Emotional or spiritual maturity, all immaturity, everybody starts immature, don't they? All of us do. Contrary to what I've been accused of, I have some evidence that I had a childhood. I wasn't born an adult, all right? So I haven't been this serious my whole life, apparently. Immaturity, there's a, there's a part of this we all begin here, right? Immaturity is only a problem if you never grow from immaturity to maturity. Because while immaturity is natural, so is maturing over time. But for some of you, the thing that's preventing you from living out your purpose is what I would call emotional and spiritual immaturity. And for some of you, it's right where you ought to be because you're just getting started, so don't feel bad. But for others of you, you've been tracking and following Jesus for a while, and you're still in this stage. You say, well, how do I know if I'm in this stage? You're in this stage when your faith is based on your feelings. Okay, That's what spiritual immaturity looks like. When your faith... It's just based on feelings. When emotions drive your decisions, when you're all in until you don't feel like doing it anymore. When Here's how you know you're immature. When you choose what you want now over what you want most, that's when you know you're immature. Well, what I want most is to live God's purpose for my life. What I want most is a faith that's so big and so strong, and I just want to trust God. And I, but what I want now is some stuff for me. And what I want now is not to have to pay the price to do what God's asking me to do. What I want now is not to have to sacrifice that, and I don't want it to cost that much, and it's just too hard, so I'm going to quit. That's what spiritual immaturity looks like. You just don't have a foundation. As Jesus said, you don't have roots deep enough. And so the minute there's a little trouble, the minute there's a little hardship, the minute it gets tough, the plant withers. It dies. For some of you, this is where you are. And so you, your entire life, if you mapped out your, your spiritual life, your entire spiritual life would look like a roller coaster. And it tracks right with your emotions. I'm going to serve as long as I feel like serving, but the minute it costs me a little too much, I'm done. I'm going to be generous, and the minute it costs me too much, I'm done. I'm going to do this, and the minute it costs me too much, I'm done. Because it's, your, your life is entirely emotionally driven. So how do you move beyond that to having a foundation and some roots, to having a faith that is so deep and so strong that it's not shaken when the emotions aren't there, it's not shaken when things get tough? Well, here's what you have to do. You have to invest. You have to invest. In other words, you have to choose to invest your life in some habits that are going to build a solid foundation of faith for you. And we talk about these habits all the time. I don't know which habits you're missing, but... For some of you, it's carving out 15 minutes a day to spend time with God, to listen to what he has to say to you and about you, and to talk to him about what's going on in your life. If, if you don't develop that habit, you're never going to have a foundation deep enough because you're just going to react to circumstances instead of listening to the one who's ultimately in control of everything. For some of you, it's this habit of serving. You just never gotten to the point where you're willing to carve out a little bit of your time to consistently serve with a group of people, to look out the window and to help other people. You've just never done it. And it's because of what it would cost you. You just you got all these good reasons why I can't do it because I because, because, and my schedule, and on and on. 
but you're not investing, building a faith or a trust in God that's going to be able to withstand the storms and the difficulties later in life. So you're going to be on a roller coaster. And you're going to be all in until it's hard, and then you're going to be all out. And you're going to miss your purpose in life. For some of you, it's connecting with a group of people who are going to invest in you and you and them, and together you're going to help each other learn to trust God better. You've just never done that. You haven't gotten in a group. You haven't gathered your own group of people who all care about moving in the same direction, developing this. For some of you, it's coming up with a plan to be generous with your money. It's the thing that you just have always refused to do. And there's some things about trusting God you can only learn by handling your money the way he asks you to handle it. And until you develop that generosity, you're, just, you're always going to be missing something. You're always going to get sidetracked when it comes to your purpose. I don't know what that looks like for you. I just know there's some habits that you have to invest in regularly to help you move from immaturity to maturity. And until you're willing to do that, your faith is always going to be based on feelings. And you are going to continue to choose what you want now over what you want most. You'll never have the self-discipline to keep obeying, following God, doing the next right thing, even when it's hard. That's the second pitfall. Here's the third one. Jesus says the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. He says, okay, here's another pitfall that gets you. It's distractions. It's distractions. Some of you, the thing that's preventing you from living out God's purpose is you are distracted. For some of you, you've been distracted a long time. Here's what I mean by that. You knew, there was a point in your life where you knew, I think God wants me to do this. I think this is his purpose for me. I think this is where he wants me to invest my time, energy, attention, money. And you have ignored it and ignored it and ignored it, some of you for months, some of you for years. And in the back of your head, you know, but you don't want to acknowledge it. So you just keep yourself distracted. Jesus said, some of you distract yourself with worry. You know what worry is? Worry is trading purpose for perceived control. That's what happens when you worry. You trade purpose for perceived control. Not real control, because none of us have control. If you actually had control, you wouldn't have any problems. But you have perceived control. What I mean by that is this. You're following doing what you should be doing with your life, and then you get distracted by something you worry about. I'm worried about my kids and the kind of mom or dad I am and what they're going to say about me when they grow up. I'm worried about, will I have enough money in retirement? I'm worried about, will we get that thing that we want to get? I'm worried about what's going to happen with the job and getting to the point I want to get with the job, and I'm not sure if I keep doing what I'm doing now, I'm going to get there. I'm worried that this isn't going to turn out for me as well as I want to turn out for me. I'm worried I'm just not going to have enough when I get to the you know, certain point in life. You, you've got worries. I, I don't know what they are. But your worries, every time you worry, it's a distraction from your purpose. You trade a purpose where you follow God and trust that his purpose for your life is better than your own. You trade it for chasing after whatever you're worried about. Because you know this. Whatever you worry about has your attention, doesn't it? It gets all of your focus. And it is what you will try to solve. It is the problem you will try to fix. For some of you, this is your deal. You have been too worried to let go and just trust God. For some of you, it's a worry that you're going to miss out on something. We just had this conversation in our small group this week. 
there's this worry that I've got to grab every experience and every opportunity that comes my way because it may never come my way again, and I want to get everything I possibly can get out of life. But in the process of worrying that you're going to miss out, of being afraid that you're going to miss out, you get distracted and miss your purpose entirely. Because again, you assume, you assume that these opportunities are going to lead you to a better place than the purpose for which God created you. For others of you, it's Jesus said the distraction's wealth. Well, I don't even have to describe that, do I? We all get distracted by that. Yeah, but I want to have more things. Yeah, but I want to get to this point. Yeah, but our dream is. Yeah, but if I could just make a little more money. And I don't have time to live out that purpose because that's actually going to cost me money. Your purpose, whatever your purpose is, it'll always cost you time and money. That'll cost me more money. It's going to slow me down getting where I want to get. And you get distracted by the pursuit of having more. You get distracted by the experiences you want. You get distracted by pleasure. You, you choose pleasure over purpose, and you choose wealth over something that's worthwhile. It can happen to any of us. For some of you, it's exactly where you are right now. So what do you do to avoid the pitfall of distractions? There is only one way to do it. You have to prioritize. You have to prioritize. Here's what I mean. You have to reach a point in your life where you decide... There's some things that God says I should value. And I'm going to choose to prioritize his values over what I value. I'm going to choose to prioritize what he's inviting me to do over what I think is best for me. I'm going to, in other words, I'm going to choose to trust him enough to follow him and put what he says over what I want. That's what you have to prioritize. Now, here's the thing about this it's important to understand. Living out your purpose doesn't require a little tweak to your life. This is why this prioritize piece is so important. It's not about tweaking your life. It's not about walking out of here and going, man, we've got a busy schedule and we've got all this going on in our world, so I'll tell you what, I've got a little slice of time here. I'm going to slip purpose into that little slice. And I'll think about purpose or I'll, I'll, I'll pursue my purpose on Saturday afternoons or you know, Monday after work. Or you, No, 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 that's not the way it works. You can't just tweak your life to pursue purpose. The only way you will live out your purpose in life is if you completely reorient your life around God and the purpose for which he created you. In other words, you take you out of the center and you put him in. And you begin to live every aspect of your life through the lens or the filter of the purpose for which he created you. So you just don't go to school or you just don't go to work anymore. You go to school or work viewing your school and work through the lens of the purpose for which God created you and how you can bring that purpose to your workplace, that purpose to your classroom. You figure out how you can bring that purpose to your neighborhood, how you can bring that purpose to your family, to your marriage, to your dating. It's not just tweaking it and having it over here in a cubicle and I open that up whenever I want to focus on it. You reorient your entire life around it. I'll give you one very quick example. We were talking about this in our small group the other night, about how you approach parenting. All of us are parents of young kids. How you approach parenting from the standpoint, a perspective, a purpose. And here's, here's the comments I made. I said, you know, there are two ways that I can approach parenting as a father. Option one is to say my biggest goal is that when my kids grow up and move out of the house, I want them to have had extraordinary experiences and love being a part of this family. That is my primary purpose. That's my goal. And so if that is my goal, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to provide them with every experience possible. 
I'm going to say yes to everything they want to do because at the end, I want them to leave the house and say, he was such a good dad and she was such a good mom and we had so much fun growing up and they gave us everything that we could ever experience. You say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, maybe nothing. Or maybe they grow up and become adults and look back and we're like, well, my entire life, everything's revolved around me. The whole family revolved around my schedule and what I wanted to be involved in. So as an adult, everything should revolve around me too. That could happen. Maybe it doesn't. Or I can approach parenting this way. I can decide the most valuable thing I can give my kids is one, an example of what it looks like to live out the purpose which God created me. And two, help them discover and begin to live out their purpose. And along the way, there'll be experiences. And along the way, there'll be incredible family moments. And along the way, there'll be some extraordinary things happen. But if I do it that way, then everything in my family doesn't revolve around me or my kids. It revolves around the purpose God has for us. Which is more valuable? Well, you get to make that choice for yourself. But for me, if I could somehow guarantee that I get to the end of my parenting phase where they move out and then I'm a parent of an adult and not a kid, if I could guarantee I got to that point and my kids look back and said, we know how to live out our purpose because we watched you live it out and we did it together. That's what I would choose. I think that's more valuable. You may not, and that's okay. But if you do, it's just an example of how you have to prioritize. You have to think entirely differently about every arena of your life. And what does this look like through the lens of Pursuing the purpose which God created me or God created us. Now here's the thing. Jesus said if you will do that, something extraordinary will happen. If you will do that, he predicts your future. Here's what he says. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands or does it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is so interesting. Jesus said if you will pursue the purpose for which I created you, you will experience the results of compound rewards in life. In other words, you will sow here and you will reap later, but you will sow here and you will reap greater. You're going to sow a seed here and you're going to reap an impact 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what you sowed. Which is his way of saying, you will look back on your life and say, well, I pursued your purpose and I did this. I had no idea that when I did that, the impact would be 30 times bigger. I had no idea, God, that when I followed you here and invested my life in this way, that the impact was going to be a hundred times what I invested. Jesus says, that's a possibility for you. This is a picture of your possible future. But in order to experience it, if I can just summarize all of this, here's what you have to do. You have to believe. You have to invest. You have to prioritize. And then you have to progress. I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe that God has a purpose for me. I'm going to believe he wants a relationship with me, and I'm going to believe that I can trust that he knows what's best for me. And then I'm going to invest in the habits that it takes to build a trust in God that's so big. It's not shaking when things get tough. And I'm going to prioritize, reorient my entire life around him and the purpose for which he created me. I'm going to keep doing what I do, but I'm going to do it from a different perspective. I'm going to do it through a different lens. I'm going to do it by putting the mirror down and looking out the window. And then I'm just going to keep progressing. I'm going to keep doing the next right thing. And even when it's tough and even when it's hard, I'm just going to keep trusting him. Because I believe following Jesus is going to make my life better and it's going to make me better at life. So I'm just not going to stop. This is what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to take a step towards this kind of life that God promises you, that he invites you into. That's why when you came in today, you got a card and the card 
looked like this right here. On the top, you can put your name and email. I would love for all of you to do that right now. And then I want to invite you to take a step. Now, for all the skeptics, I'm a skeptic, so hang with me. For all the skeptics going, well, I'm not doing that because, you know, then I'll be on the hook. No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. When you fill this out, your step may not even be on here. You may write something in. That's fine. We just gave some suggestions on here. But for you, when you fill it out and you leave today, you're going to be able to drop it in a bucket. Guest services, volunteers will be at the exits. And they're going to come to me, and the reason I want you to turn it in is one reason only. I just want to pray for you this week as you take your step. That's it. And some of these things you check, you may need some info on something. We'll get you info, but I just want to pray for you this week. That's what we're going to do with this, okay? There's no hidden motives or agendas. That's all we're going to do. So I want you to think about where this lands with you. And then I want to invite you to choose to take a step. For some of you, you need to believe. And maybe belief means I just need to explore what it means to follow Jesus. I need to figure out how I can have a relationship with him and if this is true. And you can check that starting point box and we'll give you info about how to get in a discussion group where your questions can be answered. For some of you, you're going, I'm ready to take the step. I'm, I have been checking this out. I'm ready to go. You can check that box. Under invest, some of you, your first step to begin to build a deeper trust in God is to go public with your faith and be baptized. For others of you, it may be to join a group. It may be something else. Whatever that habit is, I'm going to spend a little time with God every day. You can write that in. The prioritize. You may need to prioritize serving. Getting involved on a regular basis serving somewhere. It may be, okay, I'm just going to, I want a devotional that I can go through every day that's going to remind me every morning to prioritize God's purpose for my life over me, to put down a mirror and to look out a window. And we'll get you that. For others of you, you may feel like I'm doing pretty good at this. I just want to keep moving forward. I want to keep progressing. What's my next step? There's some options there. It may be something entirely different. or You can mark it at the bottom if you just want to have a conversation with one of our staff. The reason we're doing this is simple. I just want to help you take a step. I want your answer to this question to be yes. Will you live your life for the one who created you, loves you, and designed you for a purpose? Listen, as your friend, I just want your answer to be yes, and here's why. Not because it benefits me in some way, but because life is a time test. There is going to come a point, and you don't know when, when God says to you, pencils down, time's up. And at that point, you do not have another chance to live out your purpose. You do not have another chance to make an impact. You do not have a chance, an opportunity to do something with your life that's going to live beyond you, that's a part of something bigger than you. At that point, the chances are over. So I want you to reach that point and be able to look back and say, I did this with my life and I followed God's purpose and the result was 30, 60, 100 times what I invested and what I did. But I experienced something extraordinary. I was part of something so much bigger than myself. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for your life but your life. And your life may have been incredible. You may have had so many experiences and gone on so many trips and accomplished so much stuff. But at the end, if that's all you've got, you have nothing to show for your life but your life. I want you to get to the end and have something far greater than that. But you have to answer yes to this question. You have to take a step. And you have to put down the mirror. You have to live life looking out the window. So you get to decide. To not decide is to decide. So all of us are going to decide something today. Will you take a step? Let me pray for us. Father, would you give us the wisdom to know what to do with this? The wisdom to know what step we need to take? 
And then give us the courage and boldness to take it. The courage and boldness to mark it or write it on that card and turn it in. and Just declare, okay, I, I want you to pray for me because I'm, I'm serious about doing this. Give us the wisdom to avoid the pitfalls and the courage and boldness to get out of them if we're in the middle of them right now. Help us to believe, to invest, to prioritize, to progress, and to experience what you promise, that following Jesus, it does make our life better and it does make us better at life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.